New ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Wipulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest report. And Mary Lee Bliss, Wipulse's chief content officer, is here to discuss how they assess a brand's performance with young consumers. But before we talk about what the Y score is and what it all means, can you give us some information about the consumers Y Pulse is tapping in order to develop your assessment? How many, how old, where they are, and how often you're talking to them? Yeah, absolutely. So Wipos is the leading authority on Gen Z and millennials. We survey 13 to 39-year-olds in both North America and Western Europe. And we are surveying them literally every day because our brand tracker is fielding each day with results being posted every week for our paid pro subscribers. But we're also really interviewing them on their behaviors, the trends that they're fueling multiple times a month. So we have many surveys in field at any time, really looking at how young consumers, 13 to 39 year olds are feeling about the world, their lives, their behaviors, their values, and what brands really need to do to reach them. Fantastic. So first off, The Y score is a number based upon brand performance on a series of other dimensions. Can you give us the overview, 50,000 feet of the different dimensions? Absolutely. So Y Pulse has an exclusive brand tracker. We measure the affinity that young consumers have for over a thousand brands in both regions that we cover, both North America and Western Europe. And the overall score that we use to measure that affinity is called Y-score. And that's really looking at their overall brand love, but it's made up of 20 different youth-specific diagnostics that then are all averaged together to come up with this overall score to help measure performance. Those youth-specific diagnostics are really things that we've found young consumers are really caring about the, the most when they are choosing the brands that they love, that they care about. So everything from what brands are cool to which are eco-friendly, what expresses who they are, what brands get them and support causes, what brands are popular, make the world better, reflect diversity. I could go through all 20. They are, as I said, youth specific. So these are really looking at how young people view brands. They are different from what brands might have in their own internal trackers. So what was the methodology that you used to arrive at this particular complement of diagnostics. Yeah, the process that we went through when we were developing the brand tracker was a long one. We really wanted to make sure that the diagnostics in our brand tracker were, of course, as I said, unique to young consumers, but also accurate to how they're really assessing brands and viewing them and and what makes up their affinity. So 
we really came up with more than 60 measures based on our expertise and previous surveys, open ends on what brands they like and why that we analyzed to come up with just an overall set, a huge set. Then we conducted many waves of testing, everything from factor analysis to regression analysis. And we narrowed it down to 30 potential measures, which we then tested even more. We did interviews and really came out with the the measures that we started with. We actually have added a few in the year since we launched. So the brand tracker launched back in 2018. In the years since, consumers have become more and more interested and really focused on corporate social responsibility and how brands are impacting the world that they live in. So we added some, some measures that really are focused on diversity and eco-friendliness and, and those kinds of, of values because we know how important they are to young people. So, so we're always really watching young consumers, seeing what is changing in terms of their evaluation of brands um, mm-hmm. and making sure that our brand tracker is up to date on that. What's amazing, because oftentimes when I'm talking to marketing researchers and and talking about assessing performance assessment, it is this kind of testing and instantly checking, is this still the right test? And as you have a population right. of 13 to 39 year olds that each year it's a, it's a new class of 13 year olds added yeah, into the absolutely. mix and an exiting group of 30 39-year-olds who have turned a last 40. Anyway, it's so sad. So using one dimension, just so people understand, okay, I'm a young person, you're surveying me. How does that actually play out? Like, what does that look like? If you're, if you're looking at, if I think a brand is, I don't know, cool, what, how does that how is that question given to me? Yeah, absolutely. So cool is a great diagnostic to look at. I think it's one of the ones that gets the most attention from brands, right? Everyone wants to know, am I cool? (laughs) Exactly. So what young consumer, what, what our respondents are seeing is a selection of brands. So they see the question, which of the following are cool? And they're asked to select one or more of the brands that match the that statement. Now, they're only shown those brands if they are aware of them. So the way the surveys progresses is that first they're asked what brands that they are aware of in a specific industry. And then if they are aware of those brands, they are then asked to analyze them to assess them. So can I jump can they, I just jump in really quick yeah. on that particular point? Do you also write a brand on how much failure there is to be for people to be aware? Is that first that threshold of, yeah. of base level awareness? Is that captured as well in the yeah, absolutely. So okay. we call that mindshare. Okay. And and our awareness is actually on a scale. So we ask which of these are you aware of or more? And they are able to say what brands they're aware of, but also what brands they use, are loyal to, and are their favorites. So we actually have a whole mindshare scale. Our pro users who are able to access interactive dashboards with all of this data to measure their performance, measure their competitors' performance, okay. see what some of the leaders in other industries are doing. They are able to look at that whole mind share scale and their awareness. We also are actually looking at what brands have seen big spikes in awareness this year. And we'll be sharing that on whypulse.com soon. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really valuable measure. It's a valuable measure, but that's not part of the Y score itself. It's It's not part of affinity. Okay. Okay. So So 
Y score is really about affinity, brand okay. love, which brands okay. are succeeding with them in terms of their love of a brand. And of course, you have to be aware of a brand to love it. So that's step one, but it's it is separate from how we measure affinity. Okay, great. Wonderful. All right, go. So now return. We're talking about cool. Yes, of course. You, so, you, like I'm aware of a brand. And- I'm aware of a brand. So then I'm asked a series of questions about a bunch of brands in one particular industry. So we'll ask which of the following are cool. And then they are shown a selection of brands, the logo and the name of the brand, and mm-hmm. they can select one or more that they feel matches that statement. And then they're moved on to the next diagnostic. So the next might be, which of the following make the world a better place? And again, shown a selection of brands from one industry and asked to choose the ones they feel match that statement. So if you're given a, a term, like let's say popular, do you define the term for them before they're given the array of, of brands or are they left to, in their mind, determine what that means? We do not provide a definition, so it's really up to them. And that really is kind of the origin of this latest report that we have come out with. Okay. Okay. And why, I'm just curious, because if that's so, does that mean you're necessarily measuring the same thing from person to person? Why was that the research choice that you made? Yeah. So there's several reasons for that. One is survey length. We want to make sure young consumers have a short attention span. And we've done a lot of research on research here at Whitepool, <laughs> looking at how long these surveys can be. Mm-hmm. Um, we're asking them to assess a lot of brands. So we want them to go with their their gut, really be able to move through the survey at the pace that they want to. So mm, always okay. the fewer, fewer words, the better. That's one element. Okay. Another is we don't want to be leading. As young consumers change their definition of cool, we want to make sure the survey keeps up with that. I see. Um, so okay. Describing okay. that to them is not necessarily going to be beneficial to the brands that we're tracking. Oh, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. When I went through the list of diagnostics, I saw sort of three big buckets of inquiry. And one was very consumer centric. What do I think? How do I feel about this brand and how it relates to me personally? A very personal, subjective assessment. Does it express who I am? Does it get me? Is the brand I pay attention to? And sort of then the next bucket was what I'm perceiving other people are saying or thinking. So it's not my subjective opinion per se, but my subjective opinion of what my peers are feeling, thinking, saying. And then lastly, my assessment of the company itself, their bright future, innovative, makes the world better causes. So it's sort of a reading of the news. And so when I looked at those things, and this somewhat relates to the earlier question about mindshare, really, was that that last group that's the most distant bucket, it seemed like the easiest, lowest hanging fruit in terms of fixing, because it felt like awareness building communication stuff, because it's not even about how you feel or how your friends feel. It's about what the brand is perceived as doing. So I was just curious, when you do a diagnostic, when you work with people, do you make suggestions with regarding to how to move the needle? And are there certain things that are easier or am I totally off reservation here? 
No, I don't think you're you're off at all. Because we're measuring 20 different diagnostics, there are really a lot of different kind of themes within it. We mm. also have diagnostics that are about how, how much people are talking about a brand, whether that's their own recommendations or that they're hearing talk and buzz mm. about a brand. And that can be difficult for brands to try to control, although there right. are courses marketing that you can that you can do to try to move it. We absolutely do make suggestions in terms of what brands should be focusing on, but we do make those suggestions really data-driven. So one of the dashboards that we have available to our pro users is a performance drivers dashboard. And that actually looks at all of the 20 diagnostics and analyzes for that specific brand, which diagnostics are driving their affinity and purchase intent Mm -hmm. and which they're lagging behind on. So what they're able to see is what can I work on and what is so important for me to keep keep relevant uh, because it's really driving the purchase intent for my brand. And every brand really does have a unique set of drivers, though we can look overall at which of these diagnostics is really driving purchase intent for young consumers as a whole. When you hone in on specific brands, it's not always going to be the same diagnostics that young consumers are thinking of or or, or analyzing as they're there at the shelf. Um, Well, that's sort of interesting. I was wondering, uh, sort of a number of things are sparked by that answer. And one is you see overarching for youth. Do different industry segments have overarching for that industry segment? If I'm an individual brand and I'm a pro user, let's say, can I look at what's driving my competitors? What's what's driving their (laughs) intent to purchase their stuff? So understanding why people are purchasing that might help me think about what's white space if if i think they i can win somewhere else it can give you a a real texture map it sounds like Yeah, absolutely. And it it truly is a map. We map out the diagnostics across importance and and score. And you can really see where you have a key strength and where you have an opportunity to improve. And you can look at any of the brands in our tracker. As I said, there's over a thousand across the two regions in order to see for leaders in my space, what's really working for them? What's the diagnostics that are driving their purchase intent? Maybe that needs to be what I focus on next. That's really, that's really interesting. So also just looking at the list, I was wondering what's the difference between hot and cool. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, I, was like I am old, so I do not know. Not I mean, at I all. <laughs> not at all. Of course, with these 20 different diagnostics and the fact that we don't define them for young consumers, we get questions about what do they mean in the eyes of young people? So before answering that, I'll take a step back and say that the most recent report that we have decoding brand affinity is really a deep dive, more research on research to make sure we're doing the right thing mm. on what exactly each of these diagnostic means in the minds of Gen Z and millennials. So Mm. what does cool mean to them? What does hot mean to them? And not only what exactly does that mean, but what do brands need to do to show that they are that particular diagnostic, to show that they are making the world a better place, to show that they are reflecting diversity, whatever it might be. So for every single diagnostic, we did actually two rounds of surveys to come up with one definition of what this means to young consumers right now. 
And then also a list of really tactics that brands can take in order to show that they they fit into that diagnostic. So we did ask, of course, how would they describe a brand that is cool? How would they describe a brand that is hot? And these two diagnostics really interestingly are very different, even though I think you'd think on the top that, that they would be similar. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so, so but what is the difference? What is the, the same? Yeah. So a brand that is cool is one that is unique, stands out from their competitors. They're different in some way. And this is something we've explored with Gen Z in particular in trend research in the past. We have an entire trend called unique is the new cool. So very, okay. very nice for me to see. Right. <laughs> that, right. That, that really you were right. Does hold true. <laughs> <laughs> we were right. So being cool is being different. It's, it's it's offering something that they haven't seen before. It's really standing out from the crowd. A brand that's hot is one that is all of a sudden recommended by a lot. It's trending, especially on social media. Interesting. That's really interesting. So it seems also like hot could be shorter lived than cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Another question for you, since you are serving 13 to 39 year olds, how, since you have been looking at Gen Z defining cool and unique, do millennials define these things differently? Yeah, we do see a lot of similarities between the two generations, but in okay. the report, we break down when there are differences and, and there are some. So let's look at cool in particular, okay. um, unique and stands out from competitors is the top definition for cool for both generations. But we provided a robust list of options for each of the diagnostics that they could choose from to just tell us what they they think that diagnostic means. And we show the top three for each of the diagnostics. And Gen Z is more likely than millennials to say that a cool brand is one that's popular and wanted by people their age. It's the second highest for for both or in the top three for both. But Gen Z is more likely to feel that way. But the differences tended to be small when we looked across all of the different diagnostics. That's interesting. So what's what's interesting then, what I'm hearing is cool is unique and for Gen Z also popular. So so it's it's not like Whoa, look at that. That's a strange thing. <laughs> a, a positive uniqueness. One of the things we talked about in several different conversations we've had, uh, and you mentioned earlier, the importance of sustainability, the importance of causes, but also the conundrum between fast fashion, big box stores, and, and young consumers love of those things. And we talked a lot in the past, and we're talking about it right now because I'm making us do it, about the importance (laughs) of price and that price point was critical. So where does price point or value get captured? Price value. Sure. Sure. So price is absolutely vital to young people when they're deciding what brands to buy. And we know that from our previous research, our cause conundrum trend asked, what are the top things that you're thinking about when you're deciding what brands to purchase and prices? Absolutely. It's it's in the top three, if not number one for young consumers. But when it comes to brand affinity, what brands they love, price is not the top driver that we see. So it's not one of the diagnostics that makes up Y-score because it's really not about brand affinity. Of course, they like brands that provide them value, but it's not necessarily about that brand's personality. And our research also shows that young people feel that you can be cool at any price. So it's 
really a different and unique kind of factor when it comes to how they're deciding brands and not really as integrated into their brand affinity. And it's also something that brands really have less control over. Your marketing, you can rebrand, you can change, you can reach them on different platforms, you can create different kinds of content to drive whether they feel you are making a difference in the world or you're cool and keeping up with trends. Your price is determined by a lot of different factors, your supply chain, your manufacturing. There's a lot in there as inflation has proven to us. So- It's something that is really more difficult for brands to control. The measures that we have in our brand affinity and our Y score are things that at least brands can work towards influencing. Well, as long as they also understand how price fits into the picture. And we have talked about it. That's so important. Now, one of the things you mentioned earlier in the conversation is the adding of diversity and environmental things, the importance of causes to, to younger consumers. Have you noticed any other particular trends over time with regard to the different dimensions becoming more important or less important? Are there relationships? Like if you win on popularity, you tend to also win in these other areas or certain things go up, certain things go down. Have you noticed any macro trends? You started in 2018. The world has been through the ringer in the interim. (laughs) Has anything stood out for you? You know, hey, that's kind of notable. Anything? Yeah, of course, our trends, depending on the cultural factors that are happening in, in terms of the the headlines that are out there. During COVID, we were measuring specifically what brands were helping them get through COVID. And it tended to be the brands that were reliable, that they could count on. So we definitely saw a surge during that time does, in does that brands trail? that... That that I I you proved yourself to be reliable and trustworthy and therefore I'm continuing to lean into you or is that very situationally linked to what was happening? Well, it, honestly, it depends on the industry and even okay. the brand. As I said before, each brand has a unique diagnostic thumbprint, and the diagnostics that really are important to a specific, to one brand are not necessarily the same that are important to another, even within the same industry. But we can say that household goods, which we look at in particular, they tend to be the brands that you know reliability is mm. most is a really driving purchase driving the purchase intent. These are brands that the logos don't change too often. The marketing's going to really stay the same when you're thinking about cleaners and laundry and <laughs> disinfectants and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, reliability is probably more important to them when you're looking at media, popular and hot and cool are definitely driving factors at the moment. So we definitely see some clusters too of diagnostics that tend to stick together or, or be, you know, kind of close together in terms of importance and and driving a purchase intent. So interesting. When I read the report and I see some brands that keep hitting the top across industry segments and they keep winning. And it really, you know, you talk about brand love and it really reminds me of the former Saatchi and Saatchi CEO, Kevin Roberts book, Love Marks, and his idea that in order to truly win, you need to create loyalty beyond reason. <laughs> and yes. it seems like what you may have created is a way to reverse engineer that a roadmap for how to how to create and generate brand love with consumers and so brand managers out there need to reach out and <laughs> get a diagnosis Absolutely. so they can find out how to do that <laughs> so I, I guess that's the other question is this something if i work at a brand 
can I, can I get a, a diagnostic done? You, you mentioned how many brands you have to, how does, how does that work if somebody wants yeah, to? Yeah. So our pro clients have access to their brand's diagnostics at any time that they want on all of our dashboards. But if you are not a client yet and mm. you want to see if Gen Z likes your brand, what diagnostics are driving your affinity, you can get a free brand snapshot. Just go to whitepost.com. There's a big banner there. Click on that. And absolutely, you can set up a meeting to have your brand analyzed. If it's in our tracker and if not, we can analyze another brand for you. <laughs> so so, so here's a question. If I sign up for pro, do I get to do I get to have brands added that I want tracked against? Is yes, that part of it? Yeah, absolutely. So our pro users get to add their own brands as well as benchmark brands, which can be their own sub brands or competitors. Oh, interesting. Oh, and obviously there isn't trailing data if you don't have trailing data, but at least it would be going forward. That's really absolutely so interesting. Well, thank you so much. It's been really great. I always love talking to you, always learn things. So thank you so much for joining me. And thank you. We've reached the end of another episode up next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team. And up next, my friend, Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.